You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Well, we see the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq kicked off the week yesterday about 1% higher after Federal Reserve officials maintained that ultra-easy monetary policy is going to remain, allaying worries that higher prices might force the central bank to scale back its support earlier than anticipated. It's led to uh, yields on the 10-year Treasury bond slipping to a fresh two-week low today. It's time for your weekly trip offshore with market analyst and strategist uh, Piet Safontaine at Unum Capital. Piet, what's got your attention in market? right now. Yes, hello, Michael. So I think kickoff uh, from last week, uh, the, you know, the, it brought two volatility in the markets, and I think this week the markets will be searching for a next or new catalyst. Now, the big two stories from last week were the sell-off in the crypto land, and then also that's a focus point for me is the US-Iran agreement. Now, the Iranian president recently said that the world powers have accepted that major sanctions on his country will be lifted. Now, that's including now uh, oil banking and shipping. So we must see how that story is going to unfold. But then those running stories, I think, is carrying over, over to this week. In addition, I think there is no, notable divergence in economic data between the U.S. and the U.K. Now, keep in mind that the U.K. recently reopened. And then also on top of that, with the U.S. and U.K. Uh, heading for a holiday this coming Monday, the last trading day for the month will be Friday. So I think we could see some volatility as we're heading into monthing. Well, that's a, a good reminder that uh, Friday is actually going to be the last trading day of the month. And generally, we do see a little bit uh, of window dressing that does lead to some volatility because of those holidays in the U.S. and the U.K. bank holiday Monday there. What do you think uh, is the, the big event, the big one that's going to move markets this week? I think it's the cryptocurrency sell-off. Now, although cryptocurrency moves are something that enduringly contains to their own sector and as a result of their volatility, it may be time perhaps for a market to take a little bit more caution and notice on the cryptocurrencies. So cryptocurrencies is down significantly over the last two weeks. Everybody's aware of that, especially Bitcoin and then also Ethereum. But then coming back to it, you know, it was a broad market sell-off in a cryptocurrency. So that's pointing to something. But also, importantly, remember Elon Musk from Tesla uh, said recently he's not going to accept Bitcoin uh, any longer for a form of payment. But remember, they purchased one and a half billion dollars worth of Bitcoin in February. So I wonder if they took profit. <laughs> well, Elon Musk is also someone who suggested on Twitter that they should change the, the Dogecoin fees based on the phases of the moon. Uh, well, so we need to realize who we're dealing with here. He still has, uh, what is it, 56-odd million uh, followers on Twitter. So he, he does tend to move things. I, I suppose it has also been regulation and uh, the, the Chinese uh, authorities as well. Square and other large companies have also diversified some of their assets into crypto. What's your take? on that? Yeah, so Square is an American financial services and digital payments company worth over $100 billion. So it's not a small company. But now the CEO of Square, and everybody will recognize the name of Jack Dorsey. Ah, Twitter. Mm. Yes. Said that Bitcoin changes everything for the better. Now, his comment obviously reaffirming the company's corporate Bitcoin strategy. And he recently said this, I think it was early in May. 
Now, where I'm heading with this is, although equity markets are off their highs and, you know, near unchanged from last week, uh, it's coming back to the cryptocurrency sell-off. So when will traders begin to worry about the sell-off in cryptocurrency, you know, affecting the bottom line of some of these companies? Now, remember, they're starting to use these cryptocurrencies as a corporate strategy. Now, I think we may need to wait for Q2 earnings in July to find out. I remember also on top of that, gold and silver are higher. So all crypto holders, I remember they are called HODLS, is beginning to rotate out of Bitcoin and Ethereum as inflation fears creeping in. So markets will start, need or they might start paying attention to the cryptocurrency uh, price action. And I recall your, your colleague suggesting two cryptocurrency ETFs, uh, Keys and Hold a while back. Uh, I trust that you exited in time over at Unum? <laughs> yes, uh, we exited those two ETFs in the recent pullback, but possibly, you know, uh, a little bit of a heads up to the listeners with this short-term correction that might be playing out, it's time to accumulate back into these ETFs. Well, that is the, the big debating point, isn't it? Is this not a, an opportunity to buy the dip if you still believe in the fundamental bull case for cryptocurrencies and that is as a hedge against fiat and all of the success of money printing the the power of the blockchain uh, and the the ability to decentralize uh, transactions in a way that central banks uh, just simply cannot well then you would uh, take a view that uh, cryptocurrencies uh, are on sale well, what major companies are reporting results this week it's pretty quiet Yes, now the U.S. earnings season is continuing to wind down, but there are still some retailers that's going to reporting this week. So focusing for today, I'm just going to highlight the list is not as long as a couple of weeks ago. So, <laughs> so AutoZone, a Nordstorm uh, for today, and then Wednesday, uh, Workday, Opta, uh, DXC, and Capri. But I think more importantly, it's Thursday, and it's Salesforce, Meditronic, Costco, Autodesk, Dollar General, uh, Best Buy, Dollar Tree, Ultra Beauty, and then Gap. And uh, speaking of uh, Ultra Beauty and Gap and uh, uh, fast-moving consumer goods and consumer-facing businesses in general, it, it was interesting uh, chatting to the folks at Brand Finance yesterday when they launched their top 50 SA brands uh, that uh, they also seem to think that uh, we're on the cusp of what could be a boon for uh, those consumer brands uh, that are involved in luxury, that are involved in hedonism as the uh, humanity breathes a collective sigh of relief when we finally reach uh, herd immunity, which is, let's face it, not going to be any time soon in South Africa. Is the, if the pace and bumbling of our rollout is anything to go by, the latest issues of the EVDS system, really uh, uh, a real, uh, real shame and uh, actually just um, uh, further underlines the need for the health minister to uh, face up to other issues. I'm dying Regressing though, ETFs. Name me an ETF that we can watch. So my focus will be on the Spider S&P Biotech ETF. The code for it is XBI. Now, when I was reading XBI, it sounds something like from the KGB, just by the way, but the uh, code is XBY. So this ETF seeks to provide exposure to the biotechnology segment of the S&P 500 index. Now, to give listeners some background to this ETF, now, industrial biotechnology is one of the most promising fields for resource cons conservation 
uh, pollution prevention and cost reduction. Now, it's very often referred to as the third wave in the healthcare industry. Everybody's now so aware of the third wave, but they're also using it now in this healthcare industry. Uh, now, the ra- raising demand for new technologies, such as this recombinant technology, DNA sequencing, fermentation, uh, tissue engineering, is expected to drive the popularity of the industrial biotechnology among various industries. So I think it's definitely a focus point. But then suggesting accumulating around current levels, I think it's trading about around $126, target about $150, $155, and it's just giving you about 20% upside potential from here. But also one of the holdings in the ETF is Moderna. Mm. So it, obviously that's ringing a bell. Mm, it's going to benefit uh, from, from the vaccine rollout as well. Uh, the other big story, Marcus, this week is gold. I think at a, around a four, four and a half month high. Where do you think gold is heading from here? Yeah, absolutely. As you correctly said, uh, gold remains about this four month high level as investors obviously digest this comments by the U.S. Federal Reserve officials on inflation. You also refer to that. However, the price action is in overbought territory. So this increases the probability for a correction in gold. So it's like a, a ticking time bomb. So whenever this correction is going to unfold, it's going to be sudden. Uh, I think below uh, 1,895, I will suggest the sell. Downside target, about 1,850. That's back more or less to the 200-day simple moving average. I think it's sitting at $1,844. But yeah, I will put the stock growth at $1,850. But then also interesting, as long as this inflation fears remains in the market, I think there's a big probability that the market will remain in gold. But now with gold mm. overextended, I think there can be a switch into short gold, long silver. So listeners can look at the IC Silver Trust ETF and the code for that is SLV to replicate such a view. Speaking of trades, give us a, a stock trade that uh, you favour in this environment. Uh, now, I call it a quadruple T trade. Time to test Tesla. <laughs> now, <laughs> I mentioned Tesla with the cryptocurrency discussion. Now, I will suggest a buy above this $575. Now, yet again, Tesla is also testing the 200-day simple moving average. Now, as long as the price action is going to remain above the 200-day, then obviously it's a bullish trend. So mostly, most of the uh, markets will test the 200-day and then bounce off that. So upward potential, perhaps back to $655, $660. That's about 19% upside potential. And I think the stop loss below 585 that is a very interesting uh, trading view chart that uh, I'm sure you're going to put up on the, the website, Piet. And then there's a, a phrase in the market at the moment uh, that goes along the lines of follow the vaccine. What's the theory behind this? Now, there's a lot of if and things in my discussions. It sounds like pro- programming, but just bear with me for a moment. Now, listeners may recall from earlier this month that the U.S. manufacturing, employment, inflation and retail sales for April were were a lot lower than expected. Yeah. Now, adding housing to this list is the housing, housing start. And existing home sales were also weaker than expected. Now, in contrast, except for inflation, UK manufacturing, employment, and retail sales have all been better than expected. So that's why I've referred to the divergence between the US and the UK mm. when we started this discussion. Now, however, recall that the U.S. vaccine rollout already started in, what's it, February, March. 
and you use data where much better than expected for March. Now, at the time, the UK was still under lockdown. Now, the vaccine rollout in the UK is progressing rapidly as, you know, as the economy is reopening. Now, although the Bank of England has begun tapering, and one must consider perhaps the UK data may be weaker than expected in a month's time, and that would obviously drive the, the pound lower. Now, it seems like the U.S. is beginning to reopen, uh, the EU, the European Union, is starting to reopening again. Now, will the EU data be stronger than expected? Now, the EU market uh, PMI data was already stronger than expected. Now, also taking a guess, which country's PMI data was not good? Japan, which only has a small portion of its population vaccinated, and they may extend the state of emergency and I think 40% of its total economy into mid-June. And by the way, the Summer Olympics in Tokyo are obviously yep. just two months away. So it shows those countries that are making progress with the vaccine are bouncing back uh, stronger. Spiet Sofentain, investment strategist and market analyst at Unum Capital with your trip offshore.